Hi, this is Regeline Sabah, also known as Gigi. You're listening to Walk With Me Podcast. My guest today is Dr. Roslyn Willis. Dr. Roslyn Willis, also known as Coach Roz, is a stroke and domestic violence survivor and advocate. Dr. Willis has a passion to serve and reach the lost at any cost. Dr. Willis is the co-founder of TNR Birthing Books Publishing LLC. Dr. Willis is an international public speaker and published author. Welcome to the show, Dr. Roslyn. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. It's an honor to have you here today. Now, why don't you start off by telling us about you and where you're from? Okay, I'm originally from a little town in Texas called Post, Texas. It's you know it has uh, it used to have one red light, and if you if you blink, you miss it. Okay, now they're up to two. <laughs> That's where I'm originally from, but I now live in Lubbock, Texas, which is 42 miles from Post. So um, that's that's where I'm from. I love it. Now, tell us more about your company, TNR Birthing Books Publishing, LLC. Yes, we are a publishing company, a family publishing company. Uh, me and my husband um, started that this year in February of 2020. And, um, you know, the good old COVID came and um, pushed us into a place of stepping out on faith. And I was already an entrepreneur, but this is our first business together. Me and self, um, you see this way, me and self right here in the background. <laughs> um, but our publishing company, we help people to birth out what God has placed within them and help them to tell their stories and come off mute. You know, uh, so that's what birthing, um, TNR Birthing Books Publishing is all about. Um, not only do we help you by um, publishing your book, but we also have classes that we teach people how to write their books. Uh, so you're without an excuse. And we have all types of payment plans. So we're budget friendly, you know, so there is no excuse for you not pushing out your book, baby. Just say it. <laughs> I love it. No excuses. Now, Sean here, Saxton, she says, hello, beautiful woman. Hello. Hello, hello my sister. <laughs> Thank you for listening in. Now, tell Thank us more you. about your upcoming book, Marriage on Life Support. So Marriage on Life Support, um, this is our first debut. Um, um, this is the first time I'm talking about it, but we're going to be doing a bigger, a big rollout on it, let me say. Um, so Hubby and I are looking for couples, couples that will come and um, that they will support. I got it. My computer is, I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> computer unplugged over here. <laughs> it got dark on me. Bear with me. Technical difficulties over here. <laughs> Not a problem. Yeah. So um, we're looking for couples that will um, tell, that wants to tell their story of overcoming in marriage, you know, um, and because we see a lot of couples, you know, as counselors, as marriage counselors, we see uh, a lot of couples that are going through or have went through things. And, you know, you got a lot of youngsters that's just getting married and, and, um, and they, they need to have a roadmap of something that somebody that is actually made it through and, and they know how to, I'm so sorry, they know how to, um, to get you know from one place to the next so this is a platform for them to be able to share their stories their stories of survival 
you know, marriage on life support, having to pump some love and, and, and stuff back into a marriage and, you know, how some people overcome things like me and myself, I was married before what I say to the counterfeit, but I thank God for even that process. Cause I got jewels. Uh, my husband self, he was married before and you know, there's life after divorce and we are witnesses to that. And so even in, in that we've been married now 10 going on 11 years and we've learned some really valuable tools that we want to be able to share with the world, you know, that marriage is work, but guess what? It does work. And there is some healthy marriages. So that's what this book is all about. Very powerful. Now, Sean here, she says the blueprint for a shaky marriage. I love it. Come on now. Exactly. Yes, ma'am. Now, Dr. Roslyn, tell us more about your workbook, Prophetic Wedding Planning Workbook. Yes. So that is the uh, book that we just published last week. Um, prophetic wedding planning workbook. It's it's talking about prophetic wedding planning is speaking into existence the marriage you want to see manifested. You know, a lot of times people are going through in their life because of what they spoke. You know, your your words have power. You can speak life or you can speak death. So if you speak, you know, I thank God that my marriage is vibrant and it's 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 uh, full of abundance. Then that's what you're gonna manifest. But if you speak, oh. My marriage is horrible. That's what you're going to manifest. So we teach in this book how to speak life and sit down with your spouse as a workbook and you work together and say, okay, hey, this is what we're going to work on this, this day. We're going to work on that. And we deal with, we tell a little bit about our own story and we give you some tools and some tips to help you to continue to work and, and, and have a, a healthy and productive marriage. I love it. Now, Sean says marriage is work, but then so is life. And she also says, I need to get this book. I have a health marriage. <laughs> I love it. Now, Dr. Roslyn, tell us more about the challenge you've had to overcome in your life, such as domestic violence. Oh, we seem to have a technical issue here. <laughs>
There we are. We seem to have had a technical issue. <laughs> Not a I'm back. I'm back. Sorry. My yeah. apologies. <laughs> All apologies to the folks that are listening. Yes, I'm so glad that we were able to handle that technical issue. Now, yes. the last question that was asked here was for you to tell us more about the domestic violence matter you overcame in your life. Yes. Yes. So, um, I, um, you know, I didn't even realize, um, you know, for years that I was literally in domestic violence um, because, you know, when I thought about domestic violence, I thought, you know, somebody that's getting beat, somebody that's getting, you know, um, choked or, you know, just um, physical abuse. I did not think about, you know, when a person is controlling you, when, um, you know, you want, you're not able to have your own identity because you don't know who you are because you're so wrapped up in that individual. Um, I was married. I was a military wife. And um, there was so much control there. I was always doing everything that I could to try to make this person happy. And um, I gave so much of myself that I gave myself away. You know what I'm saying? And I even talk about it in uh, one of the books that that I um, that I'm in with um, the visionary that's owned um, Sean, a lovely Saxton, my sister. She's a, a visionary for that book. And it's a tribe out of domestic violence. And I tell my story in there. You need to get that book. You can get it on Amazon.com. I share. Um, and there's a lot of other stories in it that are very powerful. But I share in in that book about how um, one a good friend of mine that had always come to see me um and whenever i would come to town he would always be waiting so he could tell me you know what he was going through and and i would pray with him and things to that factor and i was under so much control um that i had gotten a word right before we got home that said you know you better not say anything to him you better not do this you better not do that so he came to see me and to, to pour out his heart about what he was going through, I was not able to greet him. I was not able to, you know, do our norm. And I remember him walking away with his head down. And I remember feeling just so sad and felt so bound um, and realized that, oh, my God, you know, I literally can't say anything to my friend, you know, that I looked at like a brother. And um, I never got a chance to to tell him I was sorry or anything because he committed suicide um, that same night. Um, and that was the day that I decided when I found that out, that was the day that I decided um, that I was coming off mute, um, that I was not going to allow that type of control. I mean, that thing devastated. And, and that's when I realized that I was in domestic violence. And, and that was the beginning to me starting to come out of domestic violence. Yeah, it would be years later that I actually got a divorce and got out of it. But that was when I realized that I was in bondage and I was in a place. And the, now keep in mind, I was in ministry then. You know what I'm saying? I, was, I, I had friends and I was doing things in ministry, but yet it's still I was in bondage. You know, because I thought that was a part of being a wife, being humble, you know, humility and not having a voice. But that was the deception that I was in. You are truly a warrior. Now, Sean says there's so much more to domestic violence besides hitting, which is very true. So true. That's right. So true. 
It can also and be emotional. that's what I have to learn. Yes. Yes. So much more. And that's, I, that's what I learned. Yes, ma'am. And we must continue to raise awareness in regards to the other aspects that are tied in between uh, domestic violence as well. Now, Dr. Roslyn, tell us more about the major challenge you had to overcome in your life, such as sexual assault. Yes. Yeah, so, um, you know, walking through, you know, I was a, I was a teenager um, and I had a older gentleman that, and I'm, I'm not going to go to too in too much depth with this only because um, I'm, I'm writing a book and I'm going to, you know, tell more of my story um, in that book. Um, but I do want to, you know, touch on it, on it some, because I know I will be a part of, of something that you're doing around this particular um, topic. Um, but I was a, a teenager. Um, I was 17, actually. And um, there was a gentleman that was uh, around the family. Um, he would come around the family and he was literally after me. Um, and uh, he was a lot older than me. Um, and he basically, I say, looking back, I was kind of baited. Um, you know, um, he, he already knew that he wanted to, to, to kind of get me. And a situation happened in our family where my dad got sick. My dad had a heart attack. Um, I was afraid I was going to lose my dad. I was in a very, very broken place. I was scared. I wanted to run and hide because the thought of losing my dad was just like, anybody that knows me knows um, um, I've always been a daddy's girl. And so, of course, you know, when I lost him last year, it was really major. But back when I was 17, the fear of losing him literally took me to another place. So this individual happened to be around when all this was happening, right? And so um, he convinced me to run away, go uh, run away with him to his, to his house and uh, taught me, told me what to write on the run, the, the runaway letter and, and everything. And um, what, as far as, and I'm going to say this because I don't know, it may help somebody out there, but um, when as far as to take me to a place. Um, and leave me there. It was like a little shack. I'll never forget in the city that I was raised up in and said, wait here. I'm going to go back to the house and so that they won't know that you're with me. I'm going to help them look for you. Right. And, uh, and then I'll come back and I'll get you and we'll leave. Okay. And that's exactly what he did. And I remember standing there in the cold <laughs> in this little shack so evidently, you know, looking back, this is something he had probably done before. But anyways, um, I remember standing in the cold and scared and every, all these thoughts are going through my mind. Um, like, oh, my gosh, what are you doing? Um, what about, you know, but then the, the thought again of losing my dad and, you know, it was just, you know, that little young mind of, of naive, you know what I'm saying? So he came back and uh, picked me up. And we're getting ready to head out. And um, anybody that knows um, in West Texas and in, in uh, post-Lubbock area, there's what we call cap rocks. And so they're like little hills. So we were getting ready to go up on the cap rock. And um, I remember my uncle saw him. And he told me, get down, get down, get down, get down. 
your uncle, he saw his, he saw my uncle's vehicle too. And my uncle waved him down and was like, did you find her yet? He was like, no, but it's getting late. I got to head out. And he was like, okay. And I could hear my uncle talking. And I remember crying going, oh my God, I got my family worried about me. They're looking at me, you know, looking for me. And here I am, you know what I'm saying? In this car with this man telling me, and again, there's a, that, there's that control again, you know, I allowed that that control because he was older and I trusted in him, right? But not only that, it was my fault too because I I did not um I allowed that to happen. You know what I'm saying? So, anyways, uh fast forward, I end up going to his house, and I mean, when I say to you guys, um that night, um, I went through so many things. Um, that I've never really talked publicly about, okay? Um, but I was tied up, and there was a lot of sexual things done to me. Um, and um, it was a very, very deep thing to go through in my life. Um, and days later, my mom and dad came and got me. Um, and... Um, we, my dad was gonna, my mom and dad was gonna press charges on him and all of these type of things, and I was so ashamed of the whole situation. I begged my parents, please don't, don't do it. He was a friend of the family. He was in the, you know, quote unquote, in the family. It was just a big old mess. And let me say this to you guys, you know, I've been in ministry now 25 years, and a few years ago, out of the blue, I want to say 12 years ago. This individual contacted me and was talking about suicide and was really, really upset and was like, I'm sorry for what I've done to you. And I just basically want to die. And the Lord had me minister to him. I was, even though I went through all of those things and I had been a victim, God had delivered me to a place that I was able to be concerned with his soul. I didn't want him to die and go to hell, okay, as a believer. And I began to minister to him. And there were some things that he shared with me that he had went through and why he was the way he was. He, I was able to lead him to Christ on that phone call. I've never told anybody now, you know, publicly about this. And, of course, I'm not going to bring out names and everything. But I'm just saying, sometimes we go through things that we don't even realize how many people are impacted by what we go through. And so, yes, I did. I went through some sexual assault. I was literally um, more than just one person um, I was exposed to that night. And like I said, I'm going to go into more detail on other platforms, but I just want to kind of give you guys an idea of some of the things that I experienced with that. Very inspiring. Thank you for sharing your story with us. Yes, ma'am. Now, you are also a stroke advocate. Can you tell us more about what got you interested in being a stroke advocate? Oh, six years ago, um, I uh, experienced a stroke myself, um, a right-sided stroke. Um, at the time, I was going through um, wearing out, you know, anybody that knows me know I've, I've always went by the title of a woman of many hats. 
and at that time I was wearing a lot of different hats um, and um, I was doing so many different things and I wasn't really resting I wasn't really you know sometimes I may have four hours of sleep um, you know a night um, I had so many things going on um, and I was balancing ministry. I was balancing uh, working and going to school and being a nana, being a grand, uh, you know, grandmother nana, being a a, a parent, um, and and being a wife. And I found myself in the grocery store. Me and my sister was in the grocery store, and I w I had been having a migraine for like three days, three or four days that I just could not get rid of. Okay, and but I kept pushing. I kept pushing. And we were in the grocery store and I told my sister, I said, I just don't feel right. I just, I just don't feel right. I said, this headache is like, it was so bad that it was like, I couldn't hardly see. And she was like, well, let me just take you to the hospital. I said, no, just take me home. You know, let me get some rest and I'll be okay. And so we get um, to pull up in the driveway. Uh, she drives me and we get to my house and I'm getting ready to get out of the car. And, um, my legs are like noodles. My oldest son, um, Terrence, uh, comes around, starts helping me uh, to into the house because I can't, I can't, I can barely walk. And right when I get to the threshold of my house, my door, I collapsed. When I came to, my son was holding me um, like a baby in his arms. Then I went out again. When I came to, again, the paramedics were in my living room. Um, the next time I went out again, I came back to, and I was in the ambulance. And I remember being in the ambulance and trying to talk, and I couldn't talk. And my chin was right here, like it was swooped down to my, to my chest. And my hand was kind of curled up. And I remember my leg feeling shriveled up. I can't even explain it to you. There was this feeling in my leg. Uh, but it was the most scariest thing I ever went through in my life. I tell everyone it was the best day of my life and the worst day of my life. And I say it was the best day of my life because, again, I've been in ministry 25 years. And I tell you, Gigi, when... My kids were coming up. They heard me praying for others. I've prayed for thousands of people, and I've watched God heal them through my hands. I've watched God restore people that were on life support to where the next day they were asking for food. It, I've seen miracles. And so that day and in that moment, all I could do was think a prayer. And I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me and say, this is not unto death. And that I will get the glory out of this. Trust me. So, I mean, even though I'm hearing this, I'm seeing my body. So, there was a place of faith. It took me to a whole nother level of faith. Because I learned it's a different type of faith when you trust God for other people's healing. But when you trust God for your own healing, there's a total different type of faith. And I learned that that day. So, I get to the hospital. My daughter worked at the hospital. And again, before I left out of the ambulance, I remember looking out of the window and my oldest son, Terrence, was praying. He had his hand up and he's praying. And I'm like, wow. And the next thing I know, like I said, I kept going in and out. 
and we're going down the street and that's when I'm having, you know, the Holy Spirit is telling me this. And so I, we, they, they were wrapped me into the hospital and the, like three or four doctors are coming in and my blood pressure was at a place where the doctor said that I should have been breathing. Okay. That's how high my blood pressure was. And I remember with so many nurses and everybody's running around and my daughter comes running in and she said she remember hearing stroke code over the intercon, not knowing it was me that had the stroke. And so they're rushing around and they rush me into, um, they tell my daughter they got to take me into CAT scan and, you know, because they're trying to save my life, basically. So they take me in the CAT scan. They find a blood clot on my brain, about this big. Um, and they come back and they tell her, we found a blood clot. We got to do a TPA, which is a clot buster medication that is supposed to go in and, and bust up the clots and reverse the effects of the stroke because she's in a good window of time. Because everything, my son called enough time. I was in that window and that's very important for people to know there's a window of time when a person is having stroke symptoms, immediately call them, immediately, because in that time it can save their life and it can change whether that becomes a permanent thing, you know what I'm saying, or if indeed they're able to reverse those things. And so they gave me the TPA, it worked, which I say it was God, the Holy Spirit <laughs> delivered me because I believe that medicine and uh, Jesus <laughs> works together, you know what I'm saying? Because I was that person that in the beginning was like, I'm not taking any medicine or I ain't taking no medicine because I just know God's going to heal me. And God had to give me that wisdom to know that he gave doctors the wisdom, okay, to be able to, you know, work together with the medicine. So th the Lord healed me. And because I went through that, I like to share my story and, I, and my story of hope to others that feel like, oh my gosh, you know, I went through a stroke and I can never be the same again. I'm a living witness that God can restore you and he can heal you. Amen. That's why I'm a stroke survivor mm -hmm. and advocate. Yes. I love it. Now you mentioned God quite often. Can you tell us more about how important <laughs> your relationship with God is to you? My my relationship with God is my breath. It's um, my identity. You know, I, I've, I've put this a lot of times on my Facebook. You know, a lot of times we're religious. Religion is knowing about God. But I have a relationship. I know him for myself. You know, when we're religious, we, you know, we go to church because grandma told us to, because mama told us to, you know, uh, we go to church because someone told us to, um, we get into church, we go through the motions because they're raising their hands. I raise my hand because they're, they're, um, speaking in tongues. I speak in tongues. Okay. That's what you do when you're religious. But when you have a relationship, I raise my hands because I worship you. And I honor you, Lord, for what you've done. I speak in tongues because the Holy Spirit lives in me. And it's like fire shut up in my bone. Uh, you know, I say thank you, Jesus, because I'm grateful. Because I know him for myself. I don't call on him because I'm, I'm doing something to be heard and to be seen. But it's a humble thing. I'm humble because I know what he saved me from. I know the person I used to be. And he yet loved me and accepted me and called me and qualified me. So religion and relationship. Jesus is my everything. 
That's why you hear me talk about him. You know, we just went through this this uh, retreat and we talk about healing. I got my healing and my deliverance because of Jesus. When I called on him, he delivered me. Amen. And how important Amen. is it to trust him? What is that? And how important is it to trust him? It's very important to trust him. And a lot of times we, we get in, in his way. That's what I say. When you say, Lord, I give it to you. You know, somebody out there right now, you may be dealing with a loved one having COVID. You may be dealing with a loved one that has had a stroke or has cancer or whatever the diagnosis may be. When you trust him, you give it to him. You trust him when you can't trace him. When you don't know what the next step is, you give it to him. It's so important to give it to him and trust him. You, you know, we, you, you tell us something and we might go and tell everybody, you know, we may, we, you may give us something and, and we may not be able to be uh, honorable with it. But with God, it's totally different. It's totally different. You can trust him and he will never fail you. He won't turn his back on you, but he will do exactly what he said he'll do. It is very important to trust him. If you want results, you got to trust him. You know, some of us trust, like for instance, I'm sitting on my couch. You're sitting in your chair. People are sitting here watching. They may be sitting. Some of them trust those things to hold them more than they trust Jesus to hold them. It's very important to trust them. Just like it's important for you to trust that the job you work at, you're going to have 40 hours a week to get that paycheck. Just like you trust that when you get in that car and you turn that ignition, it's going to drive and it's going to get you where you want to go. We trust things. It's so much more important to trust in the God of the universe, the God that created us in Jesus. For that's in him that I breathe, I, I move, I have my being. My existence is in him. That's why it's important to trust him. Amen. Wow, that's powerful. Thank you. Now, what change do you wish to see in the world, Dr. Roslyn? You know, um, the Lord gave me during that time, he gave me a vision. Um, he gave me a word. He gave me what I call the second day that I was in ICU. I was in there seven days in ICU. The second day he gave me blueprints from heaven. He gave me a charge to go and get the women. He said, if you heal the woman, you heal the house. He said, go get the women. He gave me literally step by step to go and have ladies teas, which I, I do in the city. Every three months, I bring women together in the city, in my community, and build them up and lift them up. And, and we do empowerment things. And the Lord gave me a vision this year, me and, and my husband self, to do a book collaboration um, called Blueprints from Heaven. This is a workbook, um, and it's a devotional. And 20 different people wrote stories. It's 20 of us. And that's the tool. It's the word of God. People that, you know, some people say, I can't study the Bible because I don't understand it. Well, this is going to give them a very easy way to break down the Bible 
okay, to study it. This is a tool for that change, the change that we want to see. I want to see people delivered. I want to see people loving again. I want to see people in a place where they're not fighting every time you turn around. You know, I want to see people set free. That's the change that I want to see in this world. So I pray for it every day. I pray for it. It's my passion. It's my heartbeat. I want to see people that don't know God get to know him before it's everlasting too late. That's the change that I want to see. I love it. Now, Dr. Roslyn, how about the individuals who want to know him, but they don't know where to start to build a relationship with him? What advice would you give to those individuals? I, what I will say to those individuals is you can find him in prayer. It's personal. You know, um, one of the things that I like to teach, you know, what people say, they say, you know, um, God's never spoke to me. And how do I know who, that he's out there? I always say that's that something says. Okay. And what I mean by that to the person that's listening, that don't know him and don't know where to start. It's you don't have to do the vows and those. He's listening. He's always there. He's everywhere at the same time. So when you, when you're wondering if you hear his voice, this is the way to let you know. So if you're driving down the street and you get to a red light and you stop and you're in the front, you're the front, the next car to go. And all of a sudden the light turns green and you're getting ready to go. And something says, wait, don't go yet, even though it's your turn and you don't go. And all of a sudden a car or a big truck runs the light. And you get chills and you go, oh my gosh, if I would have went, it would have been a wreck. That something says is the voice of God protecting you through danger seen and unseen. That's what the voice of God is. So that person that don't know you can write where you're at. Say, Lord, I want to know you. I'm your child. Reveal yourself to me. And he will give you steps. You can get a spiral a notebook and you can write down he will give you steps and then he will put people in your path that will minister to you he will give you steps and you can get the word of God you can pick the bible up if you know anybody that are believers you can connect with them but be careful even with that that's why it's important to start with your relationship with him start talking to him like I said you don't have to do the vows and those thou God, where are you? Thou? You don't have to do all that. You want to do all that. <laughs> Just <laughs> Lord, I'm your child. I'm here and I want to know you. He will meet you right there. <laughs> Amen. Now, Sean says Jesus speaks in a still quiet voice. Amen. Yes. Yes. And you know what? Even with that, he does do that. But I'm going to tell you right now. I've heard him speak in a loud voice because guess what? A relationship means he knows what it takes for each individual. If indeed, Gigi, you can't deal with him speaking loudly to you, he's not going to speak loudly to you because he knows you. He knows me. So it's been times that I've been walking through something where God needed to, I needed to hear a shout. Okay? I need to hear it loud. And he had to speak to me loud. So, sis, yeah, you are right. He does speak in a, in a quiet, small, still voice. But he also, I have heard him speak loudly 
it's a relationship and he knows who we are and he meets us right where we are we're at amen that's right now dr roslin was there a time in your life journey where you experienced an aha moment oh my goodness there's been a lot of those aha moments but, <laughs> what's the one that but let me most? say huh what's the one that sticks out the most in your mind the one that sticks out the most in my mind is um when i was delivered of being you know i had um crohn's disease for 18 years and um my aha moment came when the Lord began to deal with me with, you know, uh, the healing. And he said, you know, as I was saying earlier, it's, I was trusting God for everybody else's healing. That was the faith that I had, but there was a different level of faith that I had to have to trust him for my own healing. You see what I'm saying? Because I was so sacrificial. I was okay with, you know, going through this and going through that and going through this when it came to the sickness going through Crohn's and I had made um I had made a um what is the word I was so comfortable with Crohn's because how painful it was I was used to it after 18 years you know what I'm saying so when God delivered me and healed me from it he had to teach me you know these are the steps I need you to walk through and you have to believe these things that you're saying over yourself. Because again, I was so used to being a person that wanted to see everybody else okay, that I sacrificed my own, you know, health and and and, and things to that fact. And that's the that was my aha moment. My aha moment came when God spoke to me in that hospital room and said, You trust me for everyone else's healing, but when are you gonna trust me for yours? I'm the same God that delivers them. And I said, Lord, I repent it first. Forgive me because I didn't realize that I wasn't trusting you for my healing. He said, you got to believe what you're saying to me. That was my aha moment. And when I did, he healed me. Immediately he healed me. And the doctors once again was in awe. They were in awe. They were like, you know, they called me because, you know, at this time, you know, COVID was in a place where we weren't able to kind of go into the to the doctor's office. I had gotten out, you know, of the hospital. Um, and so they called me and they had me on. It was two doctors on um, on the intercom, you know, the speaker or whatever, on conference thing or whatever. And they're like, we have your records from 2002. And, you know, we did the same tests that we did. You know, back in 2002, you had him again, you know, um, back in um, in 2012 and all the times that we did these, you there's no lesions on your intestines. We see no lesions, you know, and you had 26 lesions the last time you had this test. There's no cuts on your intestines. It's completely clear. We see no signs of Crohn's. It's a miracle. And I said, thank you, Jesus. And I mean, all I could do was cry and praise God because, you know, they just said, you know, they had just seen them, but now they're gone. And when I tell you, like a week later, they had the fair, the state fair here. And for the first time, 
I went to the fair and I ate stuff. And I mean, I even went live showing them, yeah, I'm eating this and I'm eating that. <laughs> Things that usually, Gigi, would make me have a flare up, it didn't happen. Me and my husband was walking around the fair like two teenagers. He was like, Seth, you good? You don't need to go to the bathroom? Nope, I'm good. It, I'm literally healed. And so, I mean, we even still going to family functions and they're used to Crohn's. So they're used to me eating and then have to go to the bathroom and be in the bathroom for hours because that's a, that's a part of Crohn's, right? None of that. I am healed and I'm whole, but I had to trust God. That was my aha moment. Amen. My, my mother, she's a survivor of Crohn's disease, so my heart goes out to you. So you know. <laughs> she was told she would never walk again, but here she is walking today. God is Look at God. Yes, ma'am. Now, Thank Dr. Roger, Jesus. tell us more about what gives you happiness in your life. You know, I love to see others happy. I love to see someone that was, they had no hope receive hope. I love to see people blessed and, you know, step into their, their voice. You know, I, I love people. I, I really do. You know, just like when we went for, we had, you know, we was at this um, retreat to see the women and the men, you know, share and people get their aha moment. Like it does something to me. I've always been, even when I was a little girl, I've always been that person that and Christmas is my favorite time of year because I love giving gifts and seeing people's eyes light up. Like, I, that's why I'm a giver. I love to see people's reaction when you, you know, when they get a gift. So, yes, that's what brings me joy. I love my family, self, my husband. Oh, my God. Oh, uh, he's my best friend. I never knew my life could be so full. I never knew I could love on the level that I love my husband. Oh my God, I never knew love could be like this. My children and my grandchildren. Let me tell you something. Gigi, my kids, everybody know me know, is my heartbeat. I fight a battle for my children. But my grandkids, oh, I feel like God made a special chamber in our heart for our grandkids. Oh my goodness, it's nothing like hearing them baby say, Nana. <laughs> <laughs> my family. So yes, th those are the things that bring me happiness, brings me joy. Hearing um, now my passion, the thing that makes my heart just, <laughs> is when I lead somebody to Christ for the first time. And they find out who he is. It's just like if you ever seen a baby when they discover their fingers. That that feeling you get when you watch that baby that goes, I got a hand. I, I, that's the way it is when a person discovers Christ for the first time. And they're so excited and they have zeal, you know, when they receive him. Those are the things that bring me joy. Amen. I love it. Now, our fellow leader from World Woman Conference and Awards here, Yolanda Mabuto, she says, Amen. Hey. Amen. And Sean says, yes. God, and he's real. Amen. Yes, he is. Yes. And she says, Self and self <laughs> really goodness. Love them. <laughs> we love you right back, sis. <laughs> I love it. Now, Dr. Roslyn, what is your best advice for walking with purpose and living a life of happiness? 
my best advice to walking in purpose and living a life of happiness, one of the things I say all the time is, as long as you got a pulse, when you take those two fingers and you put them right there by your neck, and you feel that beat, that's purpose. And as long as you got a pulse, you got a purpose. You have something that God wants you to do. And the way that you, the way that you walk in that is you have to have a connection with the Lord to know what it is that you're supposed to do next. One of the things I do is I pray, I fast, I meditate. I stay in the presence of the Lord. You know, I, I, I put my meditation music on and I talk to the Lord. I get me, I have a notebook beside me and I say, okay, Lord, I'm open. What is it you want me to do? What is it you want me to say? That is how you stay and walk in purpose. Because some people, they'll go to college for four years or even longer, and they'll get a career that God didn't even call them to do. And they find themselves working and doing something they have no passion for. They're not even anointed for. And so they're not able to walk in their purpose. But when you center yourself and say, Lord, what is it you called me to do? Here I am, I'm your child. I'm open. Lord, lead me, guide me. Where, where do you want me to go? Then that's when you're walking in what it is God has called you to do. Most of the time, the thing God has delivered you from, the, the place of your passion is the place of your purpose. Amen, that's right. Mm -hmm. Now, Sean here, she says, wow, walking in purpose and living in happiness, doing what God, Jesus called you to do, worship and listening for instructions from God. There it Amen. is, that's it. That's right. That's, that's Robin, it. Thank you for being a guest on Walk With Me podcast. I truly appreciate you. Now, where can the audience find you? Okay, and uh, you can find me on uh, Instagram. I'm under Co Coach Rozzy. C-O-A-C-H-Y, uh, say, well, I can't speak, spell today. C-O-A-C-H-R-O-Z-Z-Y. So at Coach Rozzy on uh, Instagram, on uh, Facebook, Rosalind Willis. And of course, she put up our website, um, our TNR Birth and Books publishing site. And I always put my phone number out there um, because everybody that know me know, you know, you can text me. You can call me um, if you are going through something and you need somebody to pray with you. 325 is the area code. 864-3714. That's how you can, you can contact me. I love to minister. I love to connect. I believe in empowerment. And so, and I'm available for speaking engagements, um, conferences, retreats, all those things. I'm excited. And if you're a couple out there, please text me if you're interested in getting your story out to the world. I love it. Ladies and gentlemen, make sure to check out Dr. Roslyn at trbirthingbookspublishing.site. And also you got her phone number here, 325-864-3714. Reach out to her and she will help you. And Dr. Roslyn, again, thank you so much for being a guest on Walk With Me podcast. You have a blessed day. Thank you for having me. Thank you. You too.